Hey, hey, it's God in Politics from Giants to Jesus, and I am your host, Dr. Tamara Grove. Welcome. Hey, welcome. So, I've been thinking about the season that we are in. It's been crazy. A sudden deaths to food shortages, from failing banks to this never-ending snow, um, grocery bills that total the hundreds. Um, I mean, seriously, when's the last time you went to the grocery store and didn't pay hundreds of dollars for your groceries? To Joe Biden. <laughs> and I think, you know, perhaps some people are saying, like, what's the point? And um, where is Jesus in this anyway? And for me, I always, I always think about when I when I'm going through things like, where's God at? How, how is God responding to this, to these circumstances? And how, how do I align my align myself with Him? And what I've really found is that when I don't understand His character, and when I have um, because I don't understand his character, I have these misunderstandings in my heart. And it leads me to believe things that aren't true about the character of Christ and, and, and the character of the Father um, in general. And so one of the things that the Lord keeps putting on my heart and, and why I wanted to uh, focus on this uh, thought for today um, is because of all of the, the seasons that we're going through. And I, and I don't know how this aligns yet, but God is going to, is going to show us as we go. But Psalm 22 and Jesus being crucified. These two things, um, are the same thing that one described, um, was a prophecy of the other. And, and I feel like it, it shows such a, a great example of the heart of Christ and why he even did what he did for us. Um, and even how this season and our, and our understanding of him, if we're out of alignment, that we miss where he's at and, and what he's doing. So let's just dig in. I'm diving in. I'm diving in. Okay, so... In Matthew 27, uh, we have the recount of um, what Jesus went through at the very end. And I'm just, I'm just going to read some bits and pieces, but um, it would be great if you haven't read this, that you go back and read it in full yourself. So Matthew 27, starting at verse 40. Jesus is on the cross and the priests and the Pharisees and the scribes and all of them are standing around and they're mocking him. You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself if you are the son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him saying, he saved others, he cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel, let him come down from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. For he said, I am the son of God. 
And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. And then it goes on to say that in the sixth hour, um, darkness was all over the land and, until the ninth hour. So there's just three hours of darkness over the land. And apparently they couldn't figure it out from that point that, wow. Something's happening. Um, and so about the ninth hour, Jesus cries out with a loud voice. And he says, Eli, Eli, let me some, something in a different language. And what it means is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So I have, I have been taught, um, I think my entire life, honestly, that this is this moment where Christ, um, you know, he becomes our sin. And so he's on the the cross. He's been beaten to Dr. Luke says he doesn't even resemble a man. So he's been beaten uh, to this point of like hamburger and, and he's become our sin. So he's just drenched in the sins of the world. And he, and he's like, where's God in this anyway? Echo, echo, echo. You know, are we asking that exact same thing? Can we relate to this moment where Jesus can't find God? And, I, and I've learned that it was in this moment that God had to turn away from his son because his son was sin and God could not look upon him, his son and he had to separate himself from it. And that's wrong. And I have to tell you that uh, when, I, when I learned that I had misunderstood what that was about, um, I don't know. I probably sat on my couch with my mouth hanging open for at least five minutes. So Matthew was writing this story. This is his recount, right? So um, he he's he's saying what what he what he knows to be true. How this whole thing went down, and Matthew comes from a time period, um, Second Temple, you know, all this kind of stuff. And he's and he's um, he's telling the story from what he knows right? From his understanding of things, from his perspective. And that's probably one of the biggest things that we as 21st century Christians, uh, especially as Americans, uh, we just completely miss. Um, these guys were writing to each other. They're, they're recounting in, in their perspective, from their knowledge, uh, from their viewpoint, because they were um, on the scene. And one thing that they knew is they knew the Septuagint. It is the earliest um, extant Greek translation of the Old Testament from the original Hebrew. And so it was, um, the Septuagint was presumably made for the Jewish community in Egypt when Greek was the common language throughout the region. It's a very, very old translation and um and jesus certainly would have been familiar with it and this was their um some of the readings that they had what, what paul read what titus read
when we're looking at the Septuagint, if you should happen to check out that book, um, you can find it anywhere online, honestly. Um, I'm not quite sure why, but they're like one chapter behind. So most of them have, if you go to look up Psalm 22, which is what I'm going to uh, go into right now, um, if, if you start reading it and it sounds a lot like Psalm 23, go back one. Uh, so, so this would be our, uh, it, it says Psalm 21, but it's their Psalm 22. Oh God, my God, attend to me. Why have you forsaken me? Okay, so obviously this is, this is what Jesus said. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So now why does that matter? We're talking about Matthew 27. We're talking about um, Psalm 22. And you can read Psalm 22 in ESV. It's still going to say the same thing. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why does this matter? Because the Pharisees would have instantly known that Jesus was was yelling Psalm 22. Okay, why does that matter? Because when you refer to scripture um, for them, they would have considered the entire book. So they would have, they didn't just think, oh, that's Psalm 22, 1. Hmm. No, they would have considered Psalm 22, 1 and all the way through. So Let's just look at it really quick. So this is what they were hearing. My God, my God, attend to me. Why have you forsaken me? The account of my transgressions is far from my salvation. Oh my God, I will cry to you by day, but you will not hear me. And by night, and it shall not be accounted for folly to me. This isn't sounding good. But you, the praise of Israel, dwell in a sanctuary. Our fathers hoped in you. They hoped and you did deliver them. They cried to you and we were saved and they hoped in you and they were not ashamed. But I am a worm and not a man, a reproach of men and scorn of the people. Remember what we had read? They were making fun of him. Um, all that saw me mocked me. They spoke with their lips. They shook their heads saying, he hoped in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him save him because he takes pleasure in him. Exactly what they were saying. For you are he that drew me out of the womb, my hope from my mother's breast. I was cast on you from the womb. You are my God from my mother's belly. Stand not aloof from me, for affliction is near, for there is no helper. Many bullocks have, have compassed me. Fat bulls have beset me round. They have opened their mouth against me as a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water and all my bones are loosened. My heart is in the midst of my belly is like melting wax. My strength is dried up like a pot shirt and my tongue is glued to my throat and you have brought me down to the dust of death. For many dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked doers has beset me round. They pierced my hands and my feet. They counted all my bones, and they observed and looked upon me. They parted my garments among themselves and cast lots upon my raiment. Now, if you go back and you read, you'll find that that is, in fact, exactly what uh, the Roman soldiers had done. <clears throat> 20. 22.20. But thou, O Lord, remove not my help afar off. Be ready for my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my only begotten one from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth and regard my lowliness, lowliness from the horns of the unicorns. <laughs> How cool is that? Okay. 
I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the church while I sing praise to you. You that fear the Lord, praise him. All you seed of Jacob, glorify him. Let all the seed of Israel fear him. For he has not despised nor been angry at the supplication of the poor, nor turned away his face from me. But when I cried to him, he heard me. My praise is of thee in the great congregation. I will pay my vows before them that fear him. And then he goes on to say that the poor shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise the Lord that seek him. Their heart shall live forever. All of the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the kindreds of the nation shall worship before him. For the kingdom is the Lord's and he is the governor of the nations. All the fat ones of the earth have eaten and worship all that go down to the earth shall fall down before him my soul lives to him and my seed shall serve him the generation that is coming shall be reported to the lord and they shall report his righteousness to the people that shall be born whom the lord has made there it is what he said to them okay Here's, here's, what, here's what's going down right now, right here. He's saying everything that it has happened, everything that is happening in this moment was prophesied, and I am meeting every single one of those requirements to make this prophecy, the prophecy of David in Psalm 22, legit. It's coming to pass, and oh, by the way, he did not turn away from me. He heard my cry. As soon as I cried out, he heard me. And from all of this, my people, my seed, are going to come to know the Lord. And we're all going to praise him. How amazing is that? So now we're thinking about this God. Where is God anyway? Well, where was God when Jesus was on the cross? Right there. Well, why did he turn away from him? He didn't. He didn't. What Jesus said was to fulfill the prophecy of Psalm 22. And then he said, it is finished. That's so exciting when you think about that. The truth, Jesus was not alone in his suffering and neither are we. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. And just like he didn't leave his son in the worst of the worst of the worst situations, um, he won't leave us either. And I just want to say, you know, part of, part of this podcast that I'm doing is, it's not just God and politics, although I love to talk politics and, and most who know me know that, um, but it's from giants to Jesus as well. And so what in the world is that about? Well, let me just say also that um, in Ephesians 6, uh, 12, Paul says, um, he's talking about putting on the armor, right? And in 12, he says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So if, if Paul is saying um, in 6.12 that our battle is not against people, and he, and he lists what our battle is, it's these cosmic powers, these principalities, this darkness. Um, so if that, 
is our battle, then I would I would think that we could probably conclude that that's what Jesus was battling as well on our behalf. And I'd like to ta- make a, a, a series of these podcasts explaining that in a little more depth. But for now, just to just to kind of um, to to get us thinking. In Ephesians three, um, so same book, Paul's talking, and he and he and he says he says in three nine. Uh, let me start at eight. To me, although I am very the very least of the saints, so he's saying, you know, I'm I'm really nobody. Um, I'm the least of all the saints. This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Now, what on earth is he talking about there? So when Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Was he only talking to the Pharisees and the scribes and the chief priests and all the others who were mocking him? Or was he talking to someone else as well? Because when you start to understand what the whole purpose of of Jesus coming and dying um, and what all happened on those three days where he went from the cross to death to resurrection. What was happening in that and why was that necessary? Well, let's just um, say a few things here. In Psalm 22, read it in the Septuagint, read it in the um, ESV if you want. Jesus is talking about, our in 22, uh, David is prophesying. Um, and he's talking about that um, many bullocks have compassed me. Fat bulls have beset me round. They have opened their mouth against me as a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water and all my bones are loosened. Right? And, and we know... It explaining what really did happen to Jesus. Um, in 17, for many dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the the assembly of the wicked doers has beset me round. They pierce my hands and my feet. And it goes on, and there's some more in there which we can get into in deeper uh, detail in the next uh, um, podcast when we get together. But I just would like to leave you with this thought. Um, There are other things that are going on when Jesus screams, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He is, um, he's giving that shot across the bow, what's happening here. He's not, the, the, the Pharisees, the scribes, the chief priests are not the only ones that understand, uh, the Septuagint. They're not the only ones that, that are reading the Word of God, that understand the Word. There's the principalities in the darkness and the powers that be that are also listening and paying attention. And he has gotten their attention and they now are realizing that they made a very, very bad decision in crucifying Jesus. And I look forward to talking to you more about that next time we 
we connect, which will be very soon because I'm going to do these podcasts on a regular basis. Um, and I, I hope you enjoyed what we've studied so far. There's a lot more to say, but I do want you to know in this moment that there is a point and that God is with us and that in this season, although it's hard and many are growing very weary, I want you to know that Christ is with us, that we have not been forgotten, that we have not been forsaken, that the Father sees us and hears us, and that He's responding, that He has a plan and it's perfect. And I also want you to know that we have a role to play in it. Just as Jesus had a role to play in the cross and the the crucifixion, the resurrection, we also have a role. And most of us have kind of um, ignored our duty and our obligation. We're quick to talk about Exodus 14, 14. And be still and silent and wait. But we don't often think about Exodus 14, 15 when the Father pretty much says, What are you doing? Move it! We're kind of there. And so let's talk more. And I will see you next time on God and Politics, From Giants to Jesus. Hey, if you like this show, please give me a thumbs up. Leave some questions and your thoughts there in the comments section. Give me a a like and hit that subscribe button. 